but that we would experience the community and the communion that you have in mind for us. Give us ears to hear today and speak to us through your word. We pray it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. So I'm speaking today about life groups because I really believe in community and I I believe in life groups. And so to kick us off, I want us just to get to grips with how the modern church experience differs from the early church experience. And uh, I'm sure you can think of many differences. We dress differently, we eat differently, we speak a different language. So there are many of those differences, but... Uh, Take a look at the scripture and you'll get the idea of how the early church operated. Every day, okay, that's straight away different to us. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, well, we still do that, and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. So I think the biggest difference between the the church today and the church back in the day is that back in the day, the church met in people's homes. And here are just a few verses from the Bible that show that. Colossians 4.15, Paul writes, Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and Nympha and the church in her house. There's a a woman who, who has a church in her house. Philemon 1 verse 2, there's another reference to the church that meets in your house. So churches didn't meet in churches. Churches met in houses. Here's another reference, Acts 12, 12. When this had dawned on them, they went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. So there's the church, again, God's people gathering in in Mary's house. Acts 16.40, another reference. Paul and Silas, when they came out of prison, they went to Lydia's house, where they met with the brothers and encouraged them. And some of the the, the significance of the church's meeting uh, in homes are this. Firstly, there were no church buildings. Church buildings can actually be quite a hindrance because we get wrapped up in the program of a church and we think that being part of a church means we show up on a Sunday. We go to the building. But actually being part of a church means we're part of a community. So the early church met in in homes because they'd started to meet in the temple courts in Jerusalem. But after a while, the Jews said, look, we don't, you guys aren't part of us anymore. You're worshiping another God, and, and you need to clear out. When persecution started, the church had to withdraw into homes. But this is where it gets interesting. A home is, is a warm, intimate place where only a few people can actually meet. So there was an intimacy about the early church and a warmth to their fellowship that we, we sometimes don't experience in a big meeting. Also, houses were small uh, in the first century, and so oh, I'm not sure how big churches were. Maybe they were 12, 20, 30 people strong. And, and that leads to a very different dynamic. And because people had to meet after hours, 
Uh, normally they would eat together because, hey, if you've worked all day and now it's six o'clock and you arrive at someone's house for church, which happened every day, um, wow, it's not surprising that, that you would eat together. So, so meeting in a, in a small group is very different to, to meeting in a church. So for the rest of my message today, I want to share about seven reasons why it is so important to be part of a small group. And I don't want to embarrass anybody by saying how many of you are part of a small group, but um, yeah, I hope all of you are. So the first reason we need to be part of a small group is for companionship and friendship. For, in order to be able to develop friendships. You know, I've been coming to Meadowridge, well, Connect Church for many, many years. And there are people that I've said hello to for 20 years, most Sundays, but I've still not developed a friendship with them because you can't actually develop a meaningful relationship with someone just by greeting them at church, even if it is over years. You really do need to be in a person's home, see their world, and let them talk for a goodly while about their lives and you about yours for a real friendship to begin. If they just talk, it's a counseling session. Um, a friendship's got to be you talk and, and they talk. And only when both of that's happening can a real friendship develop. But I believe small groups provide this great environment for us to develop companionship and friendship with people. We read in this description of the early church that they devoted themselves to a number of things, to the apostles' teaching, but also to the fellowship. That means to the being together. And we're told that all the believers were together and they shared their stuff and they, they shared what food they had. Here are a few thoughts about loneliness, because I think many people are lonely today. Surveys show that in the United States, 20% of people would classify themselves as lonely. That's one in every five people would say, I'm really lonely. One in ten Americans do not have another person to discuss important matters with. Do you know how serious that is? Isolated and alone. Loneliness is also catchy. Did you know that? I only discovered this through reading, but they were saying that when one person feels lonely in a group, it actually rubs off on everybody else. So one lonely people apparently can make an, a group that they interact with. Everybody feel lonely. There's almost a projection of loneliness that a lonely person emits that then affects the rest of the group. Interesting stuff. There was a study on monkeys. I know we're not monkeys, okay, but uh, in some ways we're like them. They're like us. Uh, in 1965, they did the study where they would take a monkey and isolate it for six months, and, and it would be really lonely. I mean, these monkey studies are terrible, but people do them. They would isolate a monkey for six months and then reintroduce it to its group, and then the group would almost reject it. And the idea is that once people get lonely, they actually then find it even more difficult to, to connect again with, with groups. So I think there's a lot of loneliness in the world today, but the good news is that the church is part of the solution to loneliness. 
There are more and more single people in the world today uh, through, through divorce or death or, or never marrying or families moving away. There, there are more single people today in the world than they've ever been before in the history of humanity. Uh, and I think more than ever, the church is a place that provides an opportunity to develop companionship. It, it's where we do life together. And there's actually, I just thought this was a cool phrase, you know, that Christians use, you know, we do life together. Um, but it, I think there's actually a biblical verse that talks about doing life together. In Thessalonians 2, Paul says, hey, we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel, but we shared our lives with you as well. Isn't that amazing? So when Paul arrived in a place, he didn't just say, I've come to tell you something. It's, it's this amazing message about God. I've come to share the gospel with you. No, he says, I've actually come and we, we shared our lives with you. And that just shows that Christian fellowship really goes deep. And then he says, uh, we shared with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us, so dear to us. When I prepared the sermon six months ago, that's how long it takes me to get an opportunity to preach it here at Musenberg. <laughs> I asked people to, to give quotations about um, their experience of life group. And I can't read them all to you, but this is what somebody says. We, all people from our church, I couldn't use every quote that got sent in. We have a life group that has become very dear to me. And they gave this before I shared the message in that verse. Very dear to me. I can truly say that the members of the group have become our best friends. And there are many people whose friendship circle really does consist of the people they enjoy Christian fellowship with on a regular basis. I, I also enjoy this verse. It talks about what's really great in life. It's the pleasantness of one's friend springs from his earnest counsel. Just being able to sit down with people that like you and that you like and, and to be able to do life together. There's a real blessing in doing that. And your average Sunday service doesn't give you the opportunity to do that. Okay, you do do the whole tea and coffee thing here, which is a plus for you. So there's some opportunity to chat. But if you really want to go deep, uh, you probably need to be part of a small group. This is what one of our young adults said. Having friends that encourage and inspire me to dream big has helped me to reach my wildest dreams, representing my country at age 19. That's a person crediting their small group with, with achievements they've managed to achieve in life. The second reason we need to be part of a small group, apart from friendship and encouragement, is for encouragement and inspiration. Encouragement and inspiration. How many of you are familiar with this verse? It says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. 
So this is a verse that almost encourages us to meet together regularly for the purpose of encouraging one another. And I think there are two aspects spoken about in this verse. There's encouraging one another and there's inspiring one another. And I'll show you where they both feature both in this verse. And by the way, these things happen reciprocally. In other words, there's a sense in which we go to life group or a small group to be encouraged and to be inspired. And unfortunately, that's the reason why, the sole reason why some people go. But we actually should also be going to a small group to encourage other people and to inspire other people. Let's look at them each in turn, the difference between encouragement and inspiring other people. When it comes to encouraging one another, there's the verse. Let us not give up meeting together, but we need to encourage one another. And all the more as we see the day approaching. When a person says to me, you know, I went to small group and uh, I didn't really like it. Um, nobody was, people weren't friendly enough to me or I didn't get enough out of the group. My, my thinking is always, well, well, when you went to the group, who were you friendly to and what did you contribute to the group? Because sometimes we don't go to a group to get we equally go to a small group to give. And just sometimes by showing up can be an encouragement to other people. Sometimes we can think we're like Elijah. That we're the only one. And, and <laughs> just being in that small group where there are other people that, that go along to, to study God's Word, to pray, that can be an encouragement. But this verse in verse 24, the previous verse, also says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. When we think of spurring somebody on, you probably think of the, the English word, to spur. That means you're a cowboy with uh, spikes on your boots and you're giving that horse a real kick. You're spurring it on. Well, that's what the English says. But the Greek word is to incite. Um, we, must, we must consider how we may incite, it's a very strong word, one another to love and good works. So I hope that before you go to your small group meeting, you're not thinking, oh, I'm looking forward to telling everybody my problems this week and how terrible my life is. And then they're all going to tell me they love me and it's not that bad. No, before you go to life group, you need to be considering, how can I go to this meeting now to incite the people that are there to love and to good works? I've got friends that are very insightful. <laughs> you know, sometimes I mix with my friends and I look around the dinner table and every one of them has started an NGO except for me. <laughs> you know, and you think, gee, what am I doing with my life? You know, these guys are changing the world, this one's doing that. And, and there are those people that you can mix with that leave you... With that wow factor, you know, they, they leave you kind of, you've been kicked a little bit, you know, spurred on to, to do something great for God. That's why we go to life groups. Here's a good quote about a young mom. 
from our church. I found out about the mums group on Friday. For me, it's not a life group, but a lifeline. I never want to miss Friday mums group because we pray for each other, prophesy over each other, encourage and uplift each other. We go through hard things together. It's so comforting to know that I belong. I really don't know what I would do without this group. Because I haven't found a group like it. This is someone who's experienced encouragement. Here's another. Life group has given me opportunities to build friendships with other Christians and to mutually encourage them. There's my little picture for inspiring other people. Let us consider how we may incite one another towards love and good deeds. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you're doing. Here's another group. Life group is indeed the highlight of my week. It sets me up for the week. It leaves me looking forward to the next week. In a nutshell, it is my family. It is my family. The third reason I believe we should all be part of a small group is for emotional and practical support. This is different to friendship and companionship and even inspiring and encouraging each other. What does it mean to provide emotional and practical support? The verse I've chosen is from Galatians 6 and verse 2 that says, Carry each other's burdens and in this way fulfill the law of Christ. There's the fuller verse. Carry each other's burdens. By the way, at the bottom of this verse, it says, for each one should carry his own load. Now, sometimes we go along to life group because we want people to carry our burden and our load. Okay, that's not how it works. They're only there to carry your burden. The load you, is the normal thing of getting through life that's the load that each of us need to carry. There in the Greek, again, it's helpful to just get to grips with this. But the, the, the word for burden, uh, it's the word baros, which means going down. That's a weight in life that, that people can't actually carry by themselves. Uh, but this load... That, that is stuff that you should be able to deal with on your own. And we need to make sure, and as leaders, we need to, no, 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 that, that's for something for you to do. That's your load in life. But your burden, that's, that's those extra special challenges and difficulties that come along that we do need others to be with us, to support us in, uh, in getting through. So carrying each other's burdens... Very, very important. And again, we see this in the, in the Acts group. Uh, there were no needy people among them. They looked after each other, even providing financially for each other. There we go. Here's a quote from someone in our church. I was 60, retrenched. Two weeks after starting new employment, my retina detached and an emergency operation left me unable to work for at least 10 days. No work, no opportunity to earn. Without asking, my house group rallied as a team with meals and gifts of money. They were prompted by the Holy Spirit. At month's end, I was able to work again and my needs were covered. 
This stuff happens, and it happens all the time. Here's someone else. During this whole experience, I have felt completely at peace, cared for, and able to cope with what was going on because I knew people were praying. I only had to reach out to a couple of people. It's like fireworks going off in the sky. All of a sudden, there were so many people praying, prayers exploding outwards and lighting up the sky, and I know I'm covered by God's grace. This is from a woman in our church whose son was skateboarding and knocked himself out. And the prayers were exploding outwards, she says. <laughs> Wonderful testimony. Here's another testimony. Our life group is like a family of friends who do life together. We share each other's joys, celebrations, difficulties, heartbreaks, and pain. I have so much gratitude that during his illness and almost two years after he went to be with the Lord, the love, friendship, support, generosity, meals, encouragement, and endless prayers have meant so much. This is from a woman in my life group who lost her husband. So often we say, well, I went to that life group and they didn't do X, Y, and Z. My thesis is, well, when you went to the life group, who did you do X, Y, and Z for? Because we go to, to support and to encourage, and it's real the fourth thing that we do in life groups is, is learn and apply God's Word. It's where we go to learn and apply God's Word. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. What I want to focus is, in on is this whole idea of we should be teaching and admonishing one another. Your midweek small group meeting, it's not to reproduce a church service where one person takes the floor and does all the talking and everyone does all the listening. There's meant to be a sharing together about God's Word, talking about how it applies in our lives. We're told in James, we, we, we mustn't just do Bible study to gain knowledge. He says that's like a person who looks at themselves in the mirror and thinks, oh, is that what I look like? Uh, we're meant to do something about what we look like. <laughs> that, that's the gist of James 1. Here's some more testimonies about life group. Over the course of the year, and we have made a conscious decision to try and apply to our daily lives what we've learned at life group. So what we are looking for is, how can I apply what I've learned this evening to my daily life? That's what it's all about. They hit the nail on the head. Life group's not about learning Bible facts. It's about discussing together in a heterogeneous group where people bring different perspectives and insights, and we can all share how we can apply this scripture in our lives. It's, this is, really makes a pastor feel good. It's great going to church on a Sunday and getting a really good and doctrinally correct message. But at church, one doesn't have the opportunity to ask questions and debate the merit of what we've heard. 
and how we can apply the message in our lives. What really made what I was referring to is a person said to me, you know, we go to church and we get teaching, we hear sermons, but, you know, the good stuff happens at life group. You know, it's kind of like... It's so important to be mixing with people that think differently to us. Otherwise, we become this echo chamber where we reinforce the views we already have. The beauty of sitting down with a diverse group of people, different races, different cultures, different ages, different church backgrounds, and we talk about Scripture and how it applies in our lives. Very healthy thing to be doing. We need to be asking the question, what difference does this verse make in my life? And sometimes there's a bit of sharpening that happens. We sharpen one another as we interact. Someone wrote this, Life group has developed a love for the Bible in me and challenged me to study and live it out. Another thing that we do in life group is worshiping and praying, to, praying together. Colossians says that as we teach and admonish one another, we must also sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude to God. So I hope there's time for worship and prayer when you meet in your small group. James talks about how sometimes we need to pray together. Is any of you in trouble? Well, let them pray. There's a time for us to confess our sins to one another. That's not instead of confessing them to God. Sometimes we confess our sins to God and He forgives us. But there's also a place to, to share with a group, to confess with others. I'm really struggling with this. Will you pray for me and, and help me? There's some more scriptures about praying for one another. Let me take a few moments to focus on this one. A small group is a place to be authentic and vulnerable. And if you've been going to a small group for more than six months and you can't be doing this yet, you either need to go and talk to the leader about it or you need to find a new small group. Because after some time of, of attending a group, there really should be that environment where we can be real with each other, authentic and vulnerable. The Bible says that we must confess our sins to each other and pray for each other that we may be healed. That's where we, we share how I'm struggling with this. Help me with that. Here's somebody's sharing. We spend much tr time trying to build independence and convenience. In our life group, we mix with other people's problems, lose our island lifestyle, and become a catalyst for what God's up to. Isn't that a great quote? Very insightful. We're always trying to be independent and isolated from what's bothering everybody else, but life group is their time to come together. This is such a powerful picture, is it not? I hope that's not a picture of you going to small group. What, what mask am I going to put on today? 
Here's another very insightful quote. I'm happy to say from a friend of mine. (laughs) My experience has been that often life groups, while very social and based around the Bible study, can miss something vital. When the depth of our relationships together don't reach a level of vulnerability, where deep pressures, life stresses, and even confessed sins can't be shared and prayed over, that we, we will lack authenticity. When the walls around us are built so high and the facade that our lives should seem perfect is worn like a mask, then there can be no place for real tears, shared experiences and grace. We need to encourage one another and learn to walk the road together, complete with stones and thorns. Got some real poets in our church, haven't we? We're almost through. One of the reasons we need to be part of a small group is for accountability and and spiritual oversight. For accountability and spiritual oversight. Sometimes we have a very negative view of accountability and oversight. But oversight simply means someone is keeping an eye on you. And that is actually a very good thing. Someone out there is is watching you, watching out for you. That is a good thing. That is a a blessing. The spiritual oversight is, is spoken about by the writer of Hebrews in chapter 13. He says, guys, obey your leaders. Submit to their authority. They keep watch over you. As men who must give an account, obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. Because that will be of no advantage to you. So here's a reference to Christians needing to obey their leaders and also a reference to people having, having oversight, watching over you, watching over you. That's a real blessing. I'm so grateful there are people in my life that are watching over me. Here's another verse about accountability. It's from James chapter 5, and unfortunately we have to Do what this verse says from time to time. James writes, My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. We all love to experience wonder, but sometimes... There are people among us who wonder. And when that happens, unless you're part of a church community where there is accountability, unless you're part of a small group where people can pick that up, you're going to be in trouble. But if you are part of a small group and you go astray, you wonder, you fall into sin, your heart gets hard towards God. Then there will be people around who can, who can lead you back. Galatians 6 says this, If someone is caught in sin, 
you who are spiritual should restore him gently. Life group, it's a place to be vulnerable and share openly. A safe place to feel loved by people who care and don't judge. So I hope you're in that kind of community where there are people watching out over you and your spiritual growth. And I hope you're also fulfilling that life, that role in other people's lives. That you're watching the spiritual growth and development of other people. And if you see them wonder, if you are spiritual, that you seek to restore such a person. And finally, a life group is a welcoming community. It's where we can go deeper with one another. It's, it's when you, how new people can get drawn into the church. Because many people are far too scared to walk into a church building. Even one that doesn't look like a church building. They're scared to come in here and be forced to sing songs, maybe asked to pray. But, but they're very willing to come to a person's home for a meal and to meet some other Christians. And maybe to give an opinion about something Jesus said. And so life groups can be a way of drawing people into the church. It's no wonder that the early church grew so fast. 3,000 were added to the church in that first week after Pentecost. It's because in homes all around Jerusalem, people were meeting and singing and praying and, and welcoming other people in. We're just about done. Here are two more quotes from our people. We met in the Connect Cafe over coffee. We were invited to visit this group and we were warmly welcomed and felt right at home from the very first time. I know that's not everybody's experience, but hey, it's some people's experience. With regards to joining a life group, it's the best way to get to know people from the church, especially if you're new. You have an immediate prayer and caring church family, and it's great to see familiar faces when you go to church on a Sunday. I really appreciate the emotional, practical support that I received from my life group during my late husband's illness, especially as I do not have any relatives nearby who could help me. My life group is an extension of my family who I love and care for. I enjoy celebrating their special moments and knowing that I have a place to celebrate my own. They too listen and pray with me when life gets messy, and I can do the same. I wonder how you're thinking today. Are you thinking, gee, I wish I could go to a life group where all that happens? <laughs> Maybe some of you are thinking, gee, I've had the wrong attitude to life group. I've always gone to life group because of what I thought I could benefit from what I could get out of it, instead of this, this approach of I'm going to life group to be a friend to, to people who are lonely. I'm going to life group to see who I can practically support. I am going to life group to see who I can encourage in their faith, who I can incite to, to love and good works. 
I'm going to life groups to share my insight about the scriptures and how I believe we should be applying them. I'm going to life group to to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I'm going to pray for other people. And I'm going to use it as a way of welcoming people into the life of the church. So if you'd like to join a life group, bread is your man. (laughs) Bread, I don't know if you want to just call up the life group leaders and then we can have them up when we close in prayer and maybe the Holy Spirit will start to speak to people. That's great. Thanks. So if you are a life group leader here, why don't you come and join us at the front here? Mark and Joe, Tom, Jackie, and uh, John Shirley. These are our... And... um, do we, have a, do we have a representative from the moms group here at all? They're all across the road with the, yeah, Lucy's going to come and join us. Moms group that meets on a Friday morning. So these are our different life groups that, uh, that are meet during the week. Um, Glenn and I lead a group that meets on a Thursday night. Um, John and Shirley, you guys want to just tell us very briefly when you meet and what time? We meet on a Tuesday night at 7.30. And we meet on we meet on a Thursday night at seven thirty. Oh, sorry, in Clavelli. Wednesday night um, at seven thirty in Musenberg. Meet on a Friday morning at ten at the church house. We meet on a Wednesday morning at ten at the den in Meadow Ridge, ladies, and a Monday afternoon at my house, ladies. Shirley's very good at leading Bible studies. <laughs> All right, it's great. So these are our wonderful life group leaders. If you'd like to get involved in a life group, they're going to stay up here as how it closes in prayer. Please come and chat to them afterwards, and uh, we'd love to get you plugged in and connected. Yeah. Great. Thanks, Howie. Yeah. Lord, thank you for, for relationships with people, and we know that living in a fallen world, it's not always easy. Uh, yeah. And we just pray, Lord, for the grace to love one another, to understand one another, and and to keep at it. Lord, I pray particularly for people in the meeting today that are feeling a bit lonely, are feeling a little isolated, and who are not taking this Christian fellowship idea to the next level. Lord, please make it possible Prompt them, guide them, lead them to find a group of, of, of fellow Christians where they can experience all that we've spoken about today. So I pray for people, Lord. Give them boldness, give them tenacity to, to seek out a group. And for those of us, Lord, that are already in small groups, help us to be outward-looking and, and other-centered other as we participate in those groups. And we know that as we give, that we ourselves will be blessed in greater measure by you. We pray for your blessing upon these life group leaders, Lord, standing before us today. We we know it's not always easy to prepare something fresh every week uh, for every meeting. But we pray for the anointing of your Spirit to be upon them, that you would give wisdom and insight and, and the ability to teach and lead and oversee. Uh, bless them and guide us as we play our role as well. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. Thank you, Howard. So we're going to remain up here if you'd like to come and chat to any of us, but that is the official end of our service. You're welcome to, to spend some time just chatting, or else uh, we'll look forward to seeing you again next week. Please don't forget your kids if they're on the other side. <laughs>